we can become great at doing the the things that we do well, the things that are, we focus on. Like I'm, I think our audience is great at selling liberty. I think we have yeah. been amazing at doing that. Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. As a sales and marketing executive in the greater telecommunications cybersecurity industry, Brian works with C-level executives to help them future-proof their company's infrastructure for an uncertain future. And in each episode, Brian takes that experience and applies it to the liberty movement. You start to ask questions that pique his interest and get him to feel like, okay, this guy's actually got something that maybe can help me out. And then in your asking of questions and trying to uncover the real problems, build that natural trust. I know I went in the monologue there, man. (laughs) Instead of focusing on simply winning arguments or being right, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and their application in the world of politics, showing you how to ask better questions, tell better stories, and ultimately change people's minds. And now, your host, Brian Nichols. Happy Thursday there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you for joining us on, yes, we are daily. That's right. So we are going now, seven, I almost said five days. That's not even right. Seven days a week here on The Brian Nichols Show. But thankfully, and I say this, I could not do this without the help of my friends and the fearless team here at The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you to uh, starting things off, as we heard on Tuesday and continuing today. Jeremy Todd is returning to the program, talking all things sales. So, Guys, strap in, you're in store for another fun-filled episode, yes, daily here on The Brian Nichols Show. So, with that being said, on to the show, Jeremy Todd, here on The Brian Nichols Show. Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome back to The Brian Nichols Show. I am your host for the morning, uh, Jeremy Todd, and thanks for listening. Um, I want to dive back into... A little bit of what we touched on on Tuesday and take it a little bit of a a step further. On Tuesday, we talked about something called the monkey business illusion. Essentially, uh, it was a psychological study that showed that when we're not focused on something um, or when we are focused on something uh, very intensely, we can miss a lot of the things about uh, our periphery. And what can that do in our lives? What are we potentially missing? Uh, What do we see in others? What do we see in ourselves? Um, And the next step of that uh, is something that really changed my uh, leadership style especially, but also changed my uh, persuasion style uh, and has really had a big impact on me in politics. And that's called the Pygmalion effect. Um, there were several studies done, the first of which was with, uh, it was a study done with rats. And what it was, they broke uh, students up into two groups. And they had a rat, uh, or a group of rats actually, in a maze. And one group of students was told that their rats were especially intelligent and uh, had done this maze before and were really great at completing it. The other group was told that their rats were very, very dumb. (laughs) And at the end of the study, which, by the way, the rats were the exact same. They were just randomly selected rats, nothing special, nothing negative about either group. At the end of the study, would you be shocked if you heard that the rats in the group that were told that they were smarter actually significantly outperformed the rats that were uh, told they were dumb. And the only variable in that instance is the coach, 
the uh, the trainers, the uh, the students in this situation who were teaching the rats, those who believed they had smart rats were far more successful than those who believed they were working with stupid rats. So those same scientists decided to take it a step further and brought it into the classroom. And what they did was at the beginning of a school year, they uh, performed this test. It was supposed to be some sort of an aptitude test. And they were told, uh, they told the teachers, several several different teachers across the the school, uh, these students, uh, these specific students that were given a list have shown high aptitude to uh, really break out and have a great, uh, they'll, they'll go through a mental growth spurt. They'll have a really great year and, 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 and be excellent. And, and they're poised to take a step academically. But this other group here, they are, they're going to struggle this year. Their, uh, our predictive analysis says that this list of students will underperform their expectations just this year. And they studied throughout the course of the school year. And would you know it? Those students that the teachers believe, which also, by the way, drawn out of a hat, the names for both groups of students were completely just picked at random. The students who were on the list that the teachers believed were going to be high performers significantly improved their performance throughout the year and significantly outperformed those students uh, that were not on a list and especially those put on the, the, the poor performers list. And the poor performers' performance throughout the school year actually went down. And so what that tells us and what we've been able to learn from both of these studies is that our expectations of others, what we expect from others, not only does it allow us to see good and bad in them like we talked about Tuesday, but it actually influences their outcomes. And this is called the Pygmalion effect, where our expectation of ourselves and others can actually create outcomes, positive and negative, for that person. And it all starts with, and so the Pygmalion effect is is illustrated in a cycle. It's a circle. And it starts on one side of the circle with our beliefs. And those beliefs influence what would be our actions. So if you're a teacher in this classroom and you believe that there are students who are, uh, they, they are expected to perform at a higher level because you've been told that they are the smarter kids in the class. Well, if you believe that, does that change your actions and the way that you treat them? Absolutely. What they showed is that the environment was warmer. They were more willing to give them time to work through answers, and they provided better feedback to those students because they believed the students had the aptitude to get it. And so when you create a world with those actions that you take towards others, well, then that impacts those others' beliefs about themselves. And so these students started to actually believe in themselves and believe that they were smarter and they believed that they could excel academically, which in turn, those students who have high belief factors in themselves, guess what they do? 
They come to class prepared. They're excited to do their homework. They study for their tests. So it actually impacts our actions, or it actually impacts their actions. And what do those actions do for us as the leader? Well, that just reinforces our belief that they were smarter. Clearly, this is a higher performer, and the cycle repeats and repeats and repeats. But it also works in the other direction, too. So if we believe somebody is going to be an underperformer, well, we're less likely to spend extra time with them. We're not necessarily excited to see them come into class. We don't really give them great feedback on an answer when maybe they they give an answer in, in class because we go, well, what's the point? They don't really have the aptitude to meet it. So we create an environment and that environment and from our actions creates these students in these students the belief about themselves that they say, man, I must just not be smart. I must not be up to it. Uh, I can't really perform. I don't have the aptitude. And guess what happens to students when they believe that? Well, obviously, they, they don't really focus on their homework. They find other things to prioritize with their time. They're not very enthusiastic or excited in class. They don't raise their hands to participate. And what does that do to us? It reinforces our belief that these were the bad kids all along. When in reality, it all started with a false belief system that we were given about these people. So how does that... By the way, that that doesn't just happen with other people. This happens with ourselves. If we believe in ourselves to be positive or negative, well, then we take action. And those actions reinforce our beliefs. It's a little smaller version of the circle. But that's neither here nor there. So how does this impact in our political world? and How do we use this in persuasion? Well, first of all, if, I work, if, I'm, if I'm selling software, for example, and I walk into a company that I can clearly tell there's, it's, it's maybe not the newest building, they are not the top performers in their industry, if I go in and I treat them, if I believe, well, this is just a mid-performer, they're broke, they're not doing well, well, I'm probably not going to be as enthusiastic. I'm probably not going to be as prepared in my presentation. I'm probably not going to ask that extra question or two in my discovery process. And through that, it's going to make them believe that, well, we're just not a great company. We're not up to it. Uh, they, they don't seem to be that interested in us. And so what are their actions? Well, I guess we're just we just are what we are. And... Why would we spend more money on a software that would make us better when we clearly are not great? We don't have great potential. And that just reinforces and we go, ah, they weren't a good qualified candidate. Move on to the next one. And then we repeat that process. But what if we were able to shift that perspective and say, no, you know what? Instead, I am going to treat this customer like they are a Fortune 50 company. And I'm going to act and believe that 10 years from now, this company has the potential to change the entire world. Well, that's going to change my actions and my presentation. 
It's going to change their belief about themselves potentially. And that's going to lead them to take actions to act like a Fortune 50 company. Which just so happens to be to use my software. And that's how it can be used in persuasion. Now, how do we use this in politics? Well, stop for a moment and think to yourselves. When you, when you see those friends that you disagree with politically... How do you how, how do you feel about them in your gut? What is your belief about those friends? Do you believe they are a lost cause? Because if you believe they are a lost cause, well, when you have conversations, you're going to come across defensive. You're going to come across confrontational. You're not going to believe that they're ever going... And you're going to believe it's a waste of time. You may even avoid engaging with them because you can't stand to talk about their beliefs, which is then going to impact their beliefs about themselves. And in this case, especially in politics, it's going to reinforce their belief system that you're wrong, which is then going to make them take action towards you. It's confrontational, which is then going to reinforce your beliefs about them. But what if instead we saw through that, we saw the noble intent and motive behind our friends who maybe are misguided on solutions. And instead, we treated them like they are good people with good intentions. We believe that people are just doing their best with the information and processes and conclusions that they have. Well, isn't that going to make them like us more? Isn't that going to make them believe that we are genuine, likable, honest people? And then that's going to influence their actions towards us and that they're more willing to engage in conversation, more willing to be patient and see our side of the story. And it all starts with how how do we view them? What is our belief about them? Do we believe they're a lost cause or do we believe in this product? See, that's the thing I think that gets me most frustrated with people in the liberty sphere is that you it, it you act as though you're not sold on this product. You act as though that if it is spun if it is presented in the right way, effectively, that it cannot change somebody's hearts and minds. Now listen, I'm a big proponent of the 10-80-10 rule, which I've explained on this show before. 10% of people always buy, 10% of people never buy, 80% is up to you. So I am not talking about the 10% that will never buy our ideas and belief systems. I am talking about the 80% in the middle that we can affect. I believe in this product. I believe that liberty, freedom, That is the solution. That is the way going forward. To live and let live. And so, why would I then take that conviction in my product and say, ah, these these people are just a lost cause. These friends of mine. No. I, I have to go in and approach it and believe that they are simply misguided. They are doing the best that they can. They are noble. They are good. And that if I believe that they can reach this place of believing what I believe, well, that's the first step. And that's using the Pygmalion effect to my advantage. Anyways, 
Thank you for spending your Thursday morning with me. I hope you absolutely go out and dominate your day. This has been Jeremy Todd signing off for the Brian Nichols Show and the We Are Libertarians Network. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up your one-on-one with Jeremy Todd. If you enjoyed today's episode, please do us a solid. Go ahead, share the episode. Make sure you tag Jeremy. And also, I want to hear about it, too, so make sure you give me a tag at B. Nichols Liberty. With that being said, coming up here on Friday, tomorrow, yes, Donnie Gebert returns to the program. There's been some stuff happening in the cryptocurrency world. He wants to give us an update, so make sure you've hit the subscribe button so you're not missing a single episode. But with that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off. You're on The Brian Nichols Show for Jeremy Todd. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe. Want to help us reach more people? Give the show a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Find us at briannicholsshow.com and download the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on social media at bnicholsliberty and consider donating to the show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support. The Brian Nichols Show is supported by viewers like you. Thank you to our patrons, Daryl Schmitz, Laura Stanley, Michael Lima, Mitchell Mankiewicz, Cody Johns, Craig DaCosta, and the We Are Libertarians Network.